Welcome to another weekly edition of The Real Money Show. The number to call is one eight seven seven eight silver The website to go to during the show, if you're listening from home and you have the chance to do so, is guildhallwealth.com. With me in studio today is Jeremy Wiseman, the Vice President of Guildhall Wealth Management, Paul Wiseman, the President of Guildhall Wealth Management, myself, Darren Long, Senior Analyst and Vice President of Sales. And we're happy to be doing the show today because, gentlemen, quite frankly, Jeremy, you can attest to this. We did the show last week. It was a fantastic show. I thought we had so much to talk about. The time flew by. We didn't get to one of the articles we wanted to talk about. The World Gold uh, Organization is telling us a lot these days, giving us a lot of feedback on what's happening in the gold markets. There's an article we want to talk about. Paul, we have so much to talk about regarding Argyle uh, bidding and the Argyle tender, pink diamonds in general, colored diamonds. And of course, gentlemen, I would be remiss if I didn't say yet another week of data and statistics across the marketplace and yet another week full of lies and people being told that the economy is growing when in reality we know the truth. Volatility is at an all-time low and the stock market in the U.S. continues to grow. Two things which have happened in the past that have come together to create great opportunities for those who are paying attention, especially folks that are listening to the show that like to own gold and silver. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. Um, The um, Gold Council has been putting out some great articles, and uh, we've got some information on the gold market with regard to India and their imports, which is actually amazing um, statistics on that. So stay tuned for that in the show. Um, Also, we wanted to talk about the relationship between gold and oil today, uh, which is something that uh, Hugo Salinas Price, which is a he's a a billionaire. If you haven't heard of him, you can check him out on Wikipedia and find out uh, who he is. He's uh, definitely Pro gold, pro silver, and he did some incredible research on <clears throat> basically what happened in China, where they want to back their gold, uh, back their oil uh, exchange with gold. Meaning that when they buy when they buy oil from people that uh, different countries and and refiners, that they would be giving them yuan, which could then be converted to gold. So this is a a, a big important step in the gold market and we want to talk about how that can impact and if that's something that actually can happen in today's market. All right, let's switch to the first article I brought this week. It's from Simple Digressions and the website is Seeking Alpha. The title of the article, The U.S. Dollar Trade is Dead Now. What about gold? And in it, the summary of the article basically concludes three very important points. The person that wrote the article is saying, in his opinion, if bullish thesis about gold is correct, we are at or very near the bottom of this most recent correction in both gold and silver. Number two, he's talking about the commitment of traders reports, and this tells us on a weekly basis how many people are buying and selling in the futures market for both gold and silver. And he said it's of poor predictive value at this point in time. The signals delivered by a few other indications, which he discusses in this article, support the scenario that if we are in fact at the at the bottom or near the bottom of this small correction, we should be seeing a very big tip up into the late part of this year and early next year. And of course, last, the US dollar remains the most significant risk factor for gold, but he believes that that the U.S. dollar trade is now dead. Now, Jeremy, last week we talked in, uh, and obviously this is very important and it relates heavily to gold, about a couple of situations that have developed around the world, one being the Chinese yuan, the Chinese government, uh, basically saying that from now on they're going to accept the Chinese yuan for payment of oil and they're going to begin encouraging it, which whatever small percentage that may mean to the U.S. dollar will result in that U.S. dollar getting used less and less in that part of the world. And two, we had Russia also tell us that they're going to be accepting more of the ruble around their shipping ports all throughout Russia, and they're going to be encouraging the use of the ruble as opposed to the U.S. dollar. Two very big countries in the world, gentlemen, two very big and very dynamic economies that both have an impact heavily on the price of gold and thereby silver. Do you think that this is a sign of things to come? And like this article says, do you feel that the gold trade is coming to a wrap or we're going to see a difference in the way U.S. dollar is treated around the world at this point in time? Yeah, you know, this is something we've spoken about over the last uh, couple episodes of The Real Money Show in terms of what's the impact of the reserve currency, the U.S. dollar, um, waning 
towards what could be the next world's reserve currency. Now, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of different articles. Some are saying, look, China couldn't take over that role. There's just not enough money in in their system to be able to do it. Uh, This article from Hugo Salinas Price shows that they actually want a devalued yuan, not a stronger yuan, which the U.S. dollar, you know, they, they do want, they're in a a quandary where on the one hand, they'd like a lower dollar because that could help pay off their debts. On the other hand, a lower dollar means that the world's reserve currency is in trouble. Now, you see a lot of these moves going on uh, geopolitically where Russia says, that's it, we're not accepting U.S. dollars at Russia ports anymore. And then China, who they haven't implemented this rule yet of trading trading gold for yuan just yet, what they're saying is they're ready to do it and they can do it at any time. Um Ultimately, it comes down to what can the next reserve currency system be if the U.S. dollar, which, you know, we're seeing, again, more and more articles, more trends discussing de-dollarization and the fact that the dollar as the world's reserve currency is failing and it's it's starting to come un- unravel very quickly. What does that mean for gold? Well, what that means for gold is is that as currencies are devalued, gold becomes the the place to store wealth and will grow in value in opposite to the charts that you're seeing in dollars. So the U.S. dollar starts to go down over time, and you see gold rise. Now, when we, if you want to look at an example of over time, we can say, yeah, in in the 30s and 40s, gold was valued at $35 an ounce. Today, it's valued at around $1,300 an ounce. This is an indication that the U.S. dollar has lost value over time. But in the in the mainstream perception, it's still, as Paul would say in, in studio here, it's the, the best of the worst bunch. Well, he's exactly right. It's the best of the worst bunch is, is what a, the U.S. currency is. People, um, especially central banks, uh, seem to go a- along with what the U.S. does. The U.S., we were talking about this before we came into the show about um, the U.S. has the ability to keep on printing. They can print and print $20 trillion in debt. It's an incredible amount of money. People don't comprehend. You know, people throw around millions, billions, and trillions like it's nothing. Uh, Darren, we have, when we do our presentation, uh, stats and pictures of what a trillion dollars looks like. Can we try to just give the public just an idea what a trillion dollars looks like, though we can't show it you know, through the radio, but we can illustrate it a little bit to what it looks like. Well, not only that, we'll send it out in the Precious Metals Advisor this week, make a note of that get. and get that for sure, because it is important to understand that you can probably think, if you're a listener to this show, what it is you could do with a million dollars. Probably even think for some of you what you would do with a billion dollars. But when it gets to a trillion, you stop having that ability to be thinking clearly about what a trillion dollars could do. In terms of what it would cover, if we took $100 bills, stacked them on top of each other on a wooden skid and piled them six foot high around the circumference of that skid, covered the entire property of the White House in, in width. The t- it's the width of a football, the length of a football field. And we ran that all the way back. It would dwarf a fifty a fifty three foot trailer with a rig on it. I mean, it would it just it's you can't even begin to fathom how much a trillion dollars is. It's massive. It's even hard to explain by words. Yet the world economies keep pressing the printing button, and there are all kinds of things happening. But yet the news and the media are not picking up on these little changes. What they are picking up is. There's gradual gains. You know, employment is great. We're getting uh, the best bounce back in bartenders and servers we've ever had in history. But those aren't career positions where I can go home to my family and say I'm making a real serious good income unless I own the bar or I own the eatery. And that's what we're thinking about when we're talking about diversifying with a product like gold and silver. So on the heels of that, we do have the ability as experts in this particular arena to help you get into these markets, to understand why it is you should own gold and silver and to finally get some of that product home to you or to get it into a registered account, which we're going to talk a lot about on today's show. You know, to get back to what, $20 trillion in debt, it's impossible to pay that back. In the past, the way they've got rid of, especially the U.S. government, the way to get rid of debt is start a war. 
you know, First World War, Second World War, you know, whether you had Korea, North Vietnam, um, they, you know, they were waiting to print more money because you needed money to carry on the war. It's the same thing right now. What we have is debt. There is debt which is not even secured, which is uh, in the States especially. And we talk about the States here a lot because what happens in the States when they sneeze, we catch a cold in Canada. You know, we're feeling it again this week uh, with Boeing having a go at Bombardier uh, and putting on an excise tax, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, we've got the U.S. Commerce Department going after the dairy industry, going after the wood industry. It's all a deferment. It's all a way of deflecting of what's going on in the States. Pick on somebody else. You know, we've had two, three major hurricanes. You know, whether one hit Florida, um, the other one uh, was in Texas, in uh, Houston, and Puerto Rico has just got absolutely demolished. Um, and where is the U.S. to help? The richest country in the world can't even get, you know, anything over with ships, can't get the equipment they need to get electricity, to get food, gasoline, anything that they need to get this country revived. What you're seeing is smoke and mirrors. The people from the U.S., especially the central banks, the Fed, they're printing money. They've got a, a balance sheet. They're now they're going to run it down. They've got four and a half trillion dollars that they've bought bonds, stocks, mortgages that were failed. There's no way, if they were a company, if a business, somebody would have come along, a bailiff would have come along and put a lock on the door. They would have been closed up. Well, you know, this is, comes to the whole talk of too big to fail, right? And and the question is, is why are they too big to fail? Because the, the problem is, is they've just kicked a massive can down the road in this regard. And at what point do people get fed up with it? And obviously there's consequences. Yeah, the Fed's got four and a half trillion. There's $20 trillion in debt. You want to understand what a trillion looks like? Uh, you know, it's you go to demonocracy.com and there's a great video for that. Um <clears throat> But the thing, the problem is, is the, those economic situations are not being solved. And of course, you're seeing the rich getting richer. Um, you know, they're, they're showing that 1% owns 70% of the wealth. Uh, and you're seeing the growth between the rich and the poor widening very, very rapidly because of these type of for, uh, financial policies. And then, of course, it, it fuels bubbles because low interest rates fuels borrowing, which means it's not just the government that's in debt, but personal uh, debt has risen as well. And how, why, why is it all not getting fixed? Well, because the system that created it is too big to fail, and we want to see it. Get, we we didn't want to see it fail small. We want to see it fail huge. So the next financial crisis isn't is going to dwarf what happened in two thousand and eight. And it's not that it can't ever happen again. Anyone who says it can't ever happen again is just completely arrogant and probably crazy because we've seen that there is a trend of these things occurring over and over and over again. We are far overdue, and this is why holding precious metals as a place to store your wealth is so key and important at these times. And the fact that gold and silver are not in a bubble Right. They are nowhere near bubble territory makes this the best window of opportunity to get involved in that market. That's why it's important to own gold and silver in your portfolio. It's an insurance policy. You have insurance. You have life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, home insurance. This is just another way to protect your hard-earned earnings, your cash, your capital that you've built up. Yes, real estate is great. The stock market is going up. But what goes up comes down. Nothing goes up in a straight line like a rocket ship. There will be a retracement, and you need to have some gold and silver in your portfolio just as an insurance policy. I'm not telling you to go out and have 100%, but you need 10 15 20%. This will ensure that you maintain your capital. Darren, give out the numbers. Let people call, call in. one silver is the number to call, folks. Guildhallwealth.com is the website where you can see what we offer. We are one of Canada's most unique companies. We are the experts in bullion, and we invite you to check that out for yourself. Again, when we come back to The Real Money Show, we're going to be talking about an article from Hugo Salinas Price, his views on the gold price, and a lot about colored diamonds in the next couple of segments. So stay tuned, folks. You're listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Talk Radio. AM 640. The number to call one eight seven seven eight silver Guildhallwealth.com is the website. And if you'd like to get 
a Precious Metals Advisor subscription, which is our monthly newsletter. It is absolutely free to you, no charge for a trial period. We're happy to give that to you using that number, one eight seven seven eight silver Or if you'd be kind enough to give us a call and you'd ask for an investment package, we'd be happy to send that out to you. Of course, it'll cover everything that we do as a firm. If you want home delivery of gold and silver, you can get that. You can go to our e-store online at guildhallwealth.com and you can pick up some gold and silver by registering there today. And of course, payment options are abundant. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can get set up on a monthly buying plan, all kinds of options for you. If you'd like to store the product with us for ease of liquidity, there is safety there. It's insured. You can use our depository. The product is allocated to you. It's segregated from everybody else's holdings. And if you want bars with serial numbers, we can accommodate that as well. If you'd like to put gold or silver into your registered accounts, whether it's an RRSP, which of course, as we approach the end of the year, is very important for people to be caught up on and getting caught up on. If it's a TFSA and you're starting out a new tax-free savings accounts, we had a ton of them this week. RESPs for the kids, and if you want to do a spousal RSP, a Lira RIF if you're close to retirement or at the age of retirement, super awesome uh, opportunity for you. And of course, all of these things are a phone call away from you folks. It's just a matter of getting in touch with Guildhall, and those options for you are totally available. Now, in addition to all of those options, something we've uh, got here at Guildhall Wealth is what we refer to as allocated financing. Now, before I get started, folks, it's not for everybody. Those that are getting into the silver and gold market, you may want to own your product outright. You may not want to use the allocated financing, but if you are in a position to take advantage of this, folks, it's incredible, and it is something that I highly recommend you at least consider. This gives you the option to put down as little as 30% of the total metal value you want to buy have the rest of the product financed for you, continue to get the storage, continue to own it in your name, have it segregated and with serial numbers allocated to you directly, and of course be able to visit and audit that product. But you're only putting up 30% to do that, and that's the difference. In our package, we also include in allocated financing the option for you to have flat rate buying and selling, which means you pay for the bullion when you make your first purchase and you're able to buy and sell that bullion for up to 36 months with no additional uh, buying or selling charges other than the premiums on the bullion itself. So there's no more fees going to our firm and we're happy to help you get into an account like that. It can provide all kinds of leverage for you as an investor and it can also help to keep you uh, risk-free in terms of the money that you would have spent. You're holding back that money. That money could be used for any multitude of other investments. And of course, as with any investment, it may be a combination of both things that you want to try. Fellas? Yeah, I think one of the other ways that people can use that investment is because you're not you're not outlaying the full 100% uh, for any of those that think that the market could come down a little bit further, might be looking to bargain hunt a little bit. It allows them to have that uh, dry powder, as it were, to be able to take advantage of that. And then, of course, if the market does rise, you're you're already in and you're able to take advantage of the, the price increases in the market in that way. Well, I mean, that's a terrific way to buy for the simple reason. If you're looking at silver and it's trading at $17, for you to double your money, it's got to go to $34. If you put up 50% equity, if you don't like putting 30, you want to be a little safe, you want to put up 50%, instead of silver going to $34, if it moves up $8.50, you've doubled your money anyway. It's gone to $25.50, which makes a lot of sense. By putting up 30%, you know, you only needed a $5, $6 move in the market, a $6 move actually, and you've doubled your money. So it's a great way. It's not for everybody, as Darren said, um, but it is speculative, but we help you through the whole process to be able to get into the market. We send you the newsletters. We give you. We don't give advice, but we show you the options that are out there to buying precious metals. And it doesn't have to be a speculative investment either because all of the product is fully allocated and fully segregated. We're seeing clients, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, I want to capture this current price of silver just shy of, of uh, $18 an ounce. And I'm happy to to make payments on my my allocated product over the next 12 or 24 months, so that I can guarantee I've purchased that product at at this low price. So it's a great way to say, yes, I 
want to be in this market. Maybe I'm not uh, looking to get full into this market right now, but I like where the price is. So it's a great way to take advantage. Again, the key to this is that all of the product is fully allocated, fully segregated. Even the bars that you're paying down or borrowing are bars that are allocated and you can go to the vault and personally visit and even take delivery of once you've paid off that product. So the, the key to this is that there's real product there. You have access to the real product. We store the product in Mississauga in Toronto in uh, in a very secure vault. That's only job is to secure physical precious metals. It's an IROC approved depository. It's the same depository that we use for the allocated precious metal RSP. So in other words, folks, you can use somebody else's money to build your stack. And that is where the game of being invested and being educated about silver and gold and knowing how fast these markets can change on a dime and create wealth and generate profit for people happens. And when you're on that side of the coin, you'll see nothing better than being involved in something like that. Again, get, not for everybody, but no, again, but you an option that's great. for, you know, around about $10,000. It's not overly expensive, not overly expensive. Um, and you're controlling a thousand ounces of silver if you want to, but you know, but again, if you want to buy 5,000 ounces, ounces of silver and the market moves up $5, you've made $25,000. If it moves up $10, you've got 5,000 ounces in the market, you've made 50000 You can pay off the debt anytime you want. You can take delivery or you can leave it in the depository as fully paid for product. If you buy 5,000 ounces and you finance 50% and the market moves up, Eight nine dollars, you virtually paid for that product completely. One eight seven seven eight silver is the number to call. Guildhallwealth.com is the website. Now I'll remind people that as we're doing this show, we love taking a look at great authors. One of which is our old friend Hugo Salinas Price, a billionaire, as you said in the first segment, Jeremy. Somebody who obviously has his finger on the pulse of economic change. He wrote an article on the twenty first of September, and he entitled that "My Views Regarding Prospects for Gold." in which he identified, as we had been talking the last two weeks, the new scheme in China to accept uh, payment in the form of the yuan for oil. And again, this is a big step in a different direction, something that the U.S. is not able to thwart because China is too big of an economy, in fact, the world's second largest economy, uh, to, to do anything about, essentially. They can't put sanctions on China because they're too intertwined. China buys too much of their debt, they export tons of product to the U.S., keeps buyers happy with the cheap products. It's just too much going on in situations. So he releases the second part of this two-part article called this week on the 27th called Prospects for Gold Part 2. And in the first segment of this, he says, in my previous article, my views regarding prospects for gold published on September 21st, I addressed the consequences of the Chinese scheme to be launched formally by the end of this year, by means of which exporters of oil to China will accept the Chinese currency, the yuan, in payment for oil. For this deal, the Chinese have added an incentive. The yuan received by the oil exporters will be exchangeable for gold. So if you're receiving payment in the form of yuan, here's some incentive in case you're not real big on the idea of holding Chinese currency. We'll make it exchangeable for gold. How many people are going to start doing this, Jeremy? What are your thoughts on this article? Tell us more. I think this is probably one of the best articles that have come out this year because it really puts the emphasis on the connection between oil and gold and why, and a little bit more off the dollar itself and more about that relationship between the two. Um, right now, he, he did the math on this, and, and what he did is he went back to when Nixon took off the gold standard in '71. And the idea of this is that the U.S. knew that he adds, a, he adds an element. In the past, we've always talked about the fact that the U.S. had a lot of debts. They knew that their, that their uh, dollar was convertible to gold, had nothing to do with oil in that regard. It was, hey, if uh, France wanted to take back their, you know, wanted their payments on their debts, knowing that the U.S. had gone into so much debt them, themselves for the, the Vietnam War, they knew that gold at $35 an ounce was completely undervalued. So let's take the let's take as much gold as possible with this uh, overpriced U.S. dollar, undervalued gold, and they would make a ton of money off that trade. Well, Hugo Salinas Price digs down further and says, um, and I'll give you the quotes, but he 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 basically goes into it and he says the reason that the the reason that the administration lifted the gold standard is because they realized that they were going to have to buy oil 
for dollars, which could be converted for gold. And they knew that if they did that, they would run out of gold. And if they, they had a choice, they either ran out of gold or they raised the price of gold to a point that it was, that it, that it made sense. Okay. Now, right now, as an example, uh, Hugo Salinas price in doing the math said that oil right now trades for one gram per barrel. Right, one gram costs about fifty dollars, and a barrel of oil costs about fifty dollars. Closer to um, sixty right now. Closer to sixty. So, but it should be more like a tenth of a gram. And so, the reason why the U.S. didn't didn't let the gold price be remeasured higher, revalued much much higher, is because then what would become obvious at that point is that the U.S. dollar was going to be worthless. And as the reserves, as the world's reserve currency, they could not afford to do that. Now, China, on the other hand, you could look at this, and when he does the math, he comes up with a number of thirteen thousand dollar gold, because China would have the exact same dilemma that the U.S. had in the in the early seventies with Saudi Arabia. If we back this uh, oil trade for one which can be converted into gold, we're going to lose gold really, really quickly at thirteen hundred dollars an ounce. Does that make sense so far? Absolutely. So then what happens is is that China knows that they're either going to have to revalue gold much, much higher or their dollar is going to go down. Now, they're not the world's reserve currency, so they don't care if their yuan goes down. But for this to actually be pulled off, for this not to just be a big bluff, they're, they're betting that the price of gold will go much, much higher as a result. And what they're also betting in a way is that they're going to entities around the globe are going to realize that all of these currencies are worthless and that gold does have to be revalued. So in some ways, what China is doing is putting an emphasis on this big bluff and saying gold has to be revalued higher because we're not going to sell it at $1,300 an ounce when it needs to be $13,000 an ounce. So we'll see how this plays out. But what this is essentially showing and what Hugo Salinas Price is showing here is that the end game for the for where gold is in terms of its relationship with dollars and its relationship with with oil is very close to the end gold is so undervalued he says that it has to be revalued much much higher for for it to be anywhere near being able to buy uh translate it into the price of gold uh price of oil i apologize so the key here is that gold is going much much higher China's getting out in front of it and betting that it's going to go much, much higher, and the U.S. dollar is going to have to follow suit while their dollar starts to decline against the price of gold. Well, this is an important point to make. For the first time since August of 1971, which is 46 years ago, gold will once again form part of commercial international transactions. And I think that that, more than anything, scares me completely, and I myself uh, make an effort to own more of it because of situations like this. Whether you want to take it home, folks, whether you want to store it with Guildhall, if you want to put it into your registered accounts, remember, for every 5000 you spend in U.S. dollars with our firm, we're happy to give you one gram of gold back up to a maximum of 10 grams. Whether it's that awesome allocated financing account we talked a little bit about in this segment, there are a multitude of ways you can get into the market. Let us help you. Let us help you to understand the difference between coins and bars, how to store it, and what the importance of serial numbers are. Yeah, and you know, again, it all comes down to the relationship of gold to oil, and this is basically what Hugo Salinas Price is saying is that the price of gold is has to increase 10 times to meet where the price of oil is right now, and oil's oil's pretty low right now. One eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to be talking about colored diamonds, gentlemen. Lots to say about the Argyle Tender. Paul, you've got some feedback on that, of course. You're listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Talk Radio AM 640. Well, this is the part of the show where we discuss an additional investment that we offer at Guildhall Wealth Management. It is colored diamonds in both of the fellas beside me are experts in this particular arena. Paul, this is the time of year where we see significant changes in pricing. And if you want to get a look at diamonds while you're listening to the show, guildhallwealth.com is the place to go. Of course, if you want to call and ask for more information, use the number that we give out throughout the show, one eight seven seven eight silver And of course, this is uh, 
obviously an important point to make your bidding as we speak, Paul. Oh, absolutely. Um, last Friday in New York was the showing, the New York showing of the Argyle tender of this year's diamonds. There was forty-seven, just over 47 carats of beautiful pink and red and purple pink diamonds uh, that, that was available from the mine that was produced uh, last year and, and put on display this year. The show starts off in Perth, Australia, uh, then goes to... New York and then goes to Hong Kong or Hong Kong to New York sorry but Friday was the the last showing the bids have to be in by the 11th of October uh, we've got our eyes and our mindset on three incredible diamonds last year we were fortunate enough to win uh, one lot uh, and we actually overpaid incredibly and I've got to tell you out of the 48.9 uh, carats of diamonds there was only 58 diamonds shown um, some of the diamonds were going to be going for at least a million dollars a carat, um, which is up significantly from last year. Um, we, we're bidding blind. The three diamonds that we're looking at are just incredible. I love the deep, actually deep pink diamonds. They're almost vivid. They look purposely pink. If you look them at the right angle, they even look red. Um, there's two diamonds that we've, we, we're bidding on for sure, three that we're having a meeting tomorrow on the third one. But these diamonds, the, the Argyle mine is closing in 2021. This is going to put emphasis on the pricing because there's only four years left of these diamonds, of 60 diamonds a year going into the tender. The tender's been going for 31 years. There's normally only 1011 VS quality diamonds that go into the tender. So over the last 30 years, there's only been, you know, 300 VS quality. Now, we have on our website on Argyle VS diamonds, we've, we've got an incredible collection of diamonds, but they are expensive. These diamonds tend to double every three, four years in price. And especially the tender diamonds, they go through the roof. So we have a very decadent investment, gentlemen, in pink diamonds. It brings return for all investors. We've never had a loss on a pink diamond ever. In fact, in the last 10 years, the bidding wars for these types of diamonds have blown us away. From year to year, you're thinking about increasing, let's say, a bid at a tender of 30%, and you don't get the diamond you bid on. That's at our cost on that diamond. What does that mean to the end user? And in terms of buying diamonds, we know, Paul, as you said, that it's become more and more difficult for the end user to buy because not everybody has a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand, three, four hundred thousand dollars kicking around. But for those that are in a position to diversify their portfolio outside of of let's say real estate, which has been very generous to people, and gold and silver, which we perceive to be of great value right now. Can you think of a better way to jam-pack that portfolio full of value and long-term gain than a right. pink diamond? Yeah, a pink diamond is an incredible investment, especially from the Argyle pinks. It's got so many pluses to owning a pink diamond. It's portable wealth. It's easy to store. You know, if you want to put it into a piece of jewelry, which we call wealth to wear, which is another incredible way to own a diamond where you can show off what you're wearing. I mean, but when you start getting into a half a million and a million dollar diamonds, you know, you don't, not everybody wants to wear that on a daily basis. It's for special occasions. But it is something, an investment that's always going to increase in value. Um, since they've been keeping records for over 40 years, natural fancy color diamonds of the Argyle quality have never, ever dropped in value. They've only increased. Um, even, you know, I'm looking at red diamonds at the Argyle tender. You know, 30 years ago, you could have bought a one carat red for $30,000. You're lucky if you can find one for a million and a half to two million dollars today that's u.s dollars so in canadian you're looking at anywhere from two million to 2.7 million for a for a red diamond if you can even find one now these diamonds that are in the argyle tender are one of a kind it's 58 diamonds of their highest quality that they produced last year that they cut and polished and put into this tender other argyle diamonds are out there Obviously, that are a great color, great 
investments to make. If you're looking to put your kids through university, you're looking to retire, you know, 15 years, 20 years down the road. If you put in a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars into a diamond, that two hundred thousand diamond could easily be a million dollars in fifteen to twenty years from now. One eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com. It's the spot where you can go. You can look at these diamonds, and of course. Call us, make an appointment, come in and see the diamonds, put them in your hands, see what they feel like, see what they look like. Of course, if you decide to make a purchase of a colored diamond, it is obviously something that you might want to package together with gold and silver. But as far as colored diamonds go, Paul, market fundamentals definitely remain super strong on all colored diamonds. Uh, Jeremy, this week we just uh, are in the midst of working on a mailer that's gone out. It may have already gone out on a particular diamond that we're very satisfied with. It's a gorgeous yellow diamond that we're going to be putting out to our buyers. Well, it's that, a beautiful that, diamond. Well, that's the other thing as well. Not everybody's got you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in a pink diamond. You can start off with a yellow diamond for as low as $10,000, but this is an investment diamond that will increase in value. White diamonds generally do not increase in value. And then if we get into synthetic diamonds, I really don't even want to go there. But as I've opened my mouth, synthetic diamonds, there is no resale marketplace for synthetics. So it's not a good investment. It, you know, and for me or anybody else to go out and buy, if I was getting engaged and bought a synthetic diamond for my fiance, I think that's an insult. But that's my opinion. To look at our website, go to guildhallwealth.com, go into the diamond section. You can see diamonds starting at $10,000, just over a carat. Internally flawless yellows, that's all we actually sell in yellows. We try to give you the best of the best. These are the diamonds that increase in value on a regular basis. One eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com is the website. Jeremy, they're saying that the biggest hero diamond in this particular collection, the Everglow, as they've named it, the 2.11 carat red diamond started as a four carat rough. And they're saying that this will set the tone and perhaps the new world record for price per carat for reds. Does that have a drag effect on other diamonds, on the color and value of other diamonds? Does it bring the other prices up higher? Yeah, you know, ultimately, look, at the, at the top of this segment, Paul said that we got a diamond last year at the tender and that he overpaid. That's the nature of the business. We, You always have to overpay if you want to actually get involved in it. Um, it's similar in psychology to what you're seeing in the real estate market or have seen in the real estate market in Toronto where people just overbid because it's the only way to get that get that property otherwise you're out of the market that what makes it different is that there's a finite supply of natural fancy colored diamonds of the type of quality that we're going after. Again, you can do the math yourself. The Argyle tender's been going on for, uh, I think, a little less than 20 years. You're it's talking 31 years. 31 years for the tender or the mine? The tender. The tender. And you're looking at, you know, let's say 50 diamonds a year. And out of that, how many are VS quality? How many are over a certain carat size or under one carat? And you, you end up with literally a handful of diamonds over the last 30 years. And so people clamor to get into this market. And again, Paul, as you said, yep, I overpaid. That's what you do to get into the market. Is it going to change the fundamentals? No, it won't because it doesn't mean that there's more. Okay, so let, let's break this down and you're talking about the red, Darren. Four carat, they, they cut the rough, they end up with an extra carat. Okay, they've added one or two, one or two, three red diamonds a year to the market. That's what you're looking at. You know, if a red diamond came out of a mine, there would be an article on it. It's not something that isn't really being publicized. So you can see that red diamonds are incredibly rare. Paul, you talked about a one carat red going for comfortably $2 million. A blue diamond just got purchased by Lawrence Graff last week. Uh, that was four carats. Um, and he paid about about 850000 a carat. So clearly red diamonds are a lot more rare than blue, and reds and blues are really, and pinks are, are where you want to be. Talking about the uh, synthetic diamonds, Paul, there was actually an article put out in Forbes this week, and we'll put it up on to our precious metal advisor, um, where they just kind of gauge the, the feel in the marketplace between people who are, you know, perhaps 
for and against that market. And I'll just give you a couple quotes because I think it's very interesting here. And this is, again, from an article in Forbes magazine and uh, will be put into our Precious Metal newsletter. Across cultures and demographics, human, this is a quote, across cultures and demographics, humans want to own and, and hold small precious gems in their hands, said Eric Moore of Ebe Moore Diamonds. The distinct value and exclusivity of natural diamonds will shine through in the long term. Okay, that makes sense. Um, another gemologist, uh, Thomas Gelb, he says, natural diamonds are, are billion-year-old precious gems which have inherent and symbolic value. An undifferentiated industrial product, synthetic diamonds will never catch consumers' imagination in the same way. Okay, let's keep going. Overwhelmingly, the establishment insiders hold natural diamonds as the ultimate expression uh, of love and preferred stones for an engagement ring. Uh, a natural diamond is always going to be more valuable than a cultivated diamond. Now, first off, this is what one of the things they're trying to figure out here with these quote-unquote synthetic, fabricated, cultured, is that the FTC in the U.S. has to decide what the, what the term is going to be called going forward because that's going to be a big thing. It's like champagne. Um, if it's not from the champagne region, it's right. not champagne. They have to come up with something for that. Now, an, uh, this, this article actually goes on to, to say a couple of very interesting points. One is that these synthetic diamonds are based on technology, and I'll tell you what my final thought is at the end, but they're based on technology, which means as the technology improves, their price has to go down. Plus, they're also tracking, like an ETF does for silver, these fabricated, cultured, synthetic diamonds, however you want to call them, are actually tra tracking the price of natural diamonds. And so they're going to have a symbiotic relationship in terms of if their cost goes lower, the value of the real ones could stay higher, but overall it could send the market down a little bit lower in that sense. Um, but let me, let me go on to, to, to say what some other people are saying in this, in this idea. Um, this analyst in the market, Dar, he disputes that a diamond is a depreciating asset masquerading as an investment. The market for them is neither liquid nor are they fungible, or in layman's terms, with the exception of large, high-quality, fancy-colored diamonds, almost all diamonds have terrible value in the resale market, said Selby. Now, the whole point of what they're trying to say is that the idea of the synthetic diamond doesn't matter because the idea of De Beers' marketing ploy of a diamond is forever is also BS. So you're talking about a market that didn't really have uh, shortages the way the natural fancy color diamond market has. In fact, they held back product and slowly brought it to the market to maintain price uh, levels. Yes, for stability. So the synthetic market as a disruptor, quote unquote, is great for that market because it's just proving that yeah. it was all a marketing ploy in the first place, but which is, is what more, we've always said. There is more markup in a synthetic diamond than a diamond that is mind that's a billion, two billion years old that has to be cut and polished by an artisan, somebody that, you know, knows how to cut diamonds to get the best quality. You know, you're not going to find a D quality white diamond from synthetic. It's well, just not going to happen. Whether or not they can do that is beside the point. What, what this article is showing is that De Beers' uh, uh, marketing ploy of a diamond is forever got everyone thinking that this luxury item is a rarity. Synthetic diamonds are proving that they're not a rarity, that they're just a luxury, in which case you can get that luxury much, much cheaper. So in that sense, white diamonds are always just a luxury. They're not a rarity, unlike colored diamonds. And I would just add, and this is my own personal point, is that there's always been real Rolex watches and fake Rolex watches. There's always real been... Louis Vuittons and phony Louis There's Vuittons. always been real Gucci's and fake Gucci's. There, the, the person could say, the, the person arguing could say, well, I mean, at the end of the day... Both, both leather items are made of leather. It's totally true. But one is manufactured to a certain uh, criteria and one isn't. So at the end of the day, I think that there's always there's room for these synthetics, but that colored diamonds, as this person said in the, in the article, are completely rare. And that's the whole point. We're not selling white diamonds. We, we look to have people invest in, in investment-grade natural fancy colored diamonds because they have a value and because that value increases well, other, and because there's actually a secondary market for one, them. But one other reason as well is the retailers have to compete with the Internet. Well, that they do, Paul, but investments are only unique 
if you're buying something of rarity. That's what Guildhall offers, gentlemen. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver or to the website to view these beautiful colored diamonds and to make an appointment to take that step forward to ensure your wealth and to make a better future for your family by owning a colored diamond is guildhallwealth.com. You're listening to The Real Money Show on the Chorus Radio Network. One eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com is the website. The last segment, gentlemen, a very exciting segment. We're talking about the value of adding a colored diamond to your portfolio. And of course, earlier in the show, Jeremy, you were pointing out that there are some really amazing things happening in the gold and silver space right now. We talked about the change in currency and the developments in oil and how China is accepting different currencies now. They're wanting to be paid for, they're wanting to pay for oil in their own home currency and make it exchangeable into physical gold, something that obviously brings about value overall over the long term. We talked about Russia wanting to use the ruble in all of their ports, their shipping ports, to be used as the medium of exchange at those ports. It really does make a difference when you look at the big picture outside of our vacuum here in North America, how that gold develops, how the price develops based on what other countries are doing. Am I not mistaken in that? Yeah, I think that ultimately we keep our uh, a keen eye on what's happening with the value of different currencies around the globe, and we're looking at the shifts in where the physical gold market is going. Uh, one shift is definitely in India. We said that we talk about that at the beginning of the show, and uh, listen to some of these stats. Last year, the trade deficit in India was thirty four point three billion, and they imported five point eight five point zero eight billion in gold. Uh, last year, uh, during and this is between April and August. This year, their trade deficit is sixty-three billion, so it's it's a little a little under twice as as big, and they've imported fifteen billion dollars worth of gold between April and August this year. That's a threefold increase uh, in the imports of gold. And where I think we're going with this, Darren, is that. You can create debts and have no one look at them. They're your skeletons in the closet, and we'll just pretend like everything is great in the economy. And the economists, as as uh, Demartino Booth discussed on our show, you know, the economists can can think that they're completely right in their minds, and uh, you know, because they've got they've got degrees, right? They they have no world experience, but it doesn't matter because they have PhDs and degrees, and they have all of these measurement tools that they use. So they're telling us that everything is is hunky-dory. But in actual fact, things are getting worse and worse all the time. And that money printing, uh, just like going on a spending spree with your credit card, doesn't mean you're out of trouble. It just means you've just borrowed more money. And we know that the Fed borrowed a ton of money, gave it to the banks. The banks couldn't lend it to people because they're all indebted to their eyeballs uh, from buying you know, sneakers from China and TVs from China. They're paying off their own bills. And so what, is the, what do these banks do? They buy back their own stock. They buy back treasuries. They um, lend it to, to corporations who can buy back their own stock and corporations who can uh, merge and, and buy other companies. And so it gives an impression that everything's great, but things aren't that great. In fact, things are really, really bad out there in terms of the the risk in the system as it gets more and more complex all the time. So these countries that are accumulating gold are doing it for a very important reason because, and let me tell you a quick story. I just heard from a client of mine yesterday that this uh, a friend of his sold a property. Fantastic, right? She took it to the, the bank and her advisor and her advisor said, I don't want that money. The reason, the reason they because they because they don't want the responsibility in case something happens in the markets, because the markets have been going so high for so long in one direction that something has got to give here. And what we talk about on the on the show here is not about preparing for one event. The idea is that by holding precious metals long term, you're maintaining your wealth and you're beating inflation. Because at the end of the day, gold as a store of wealth has beat inflation. Now, whether you take the accepted inflation at 2% or you feel that your cost for groceries and your cost for energy and your cost for insurance and your your cost for your day-to-day living is more than 2% a year, then holding precious metals will help alleviate that. Um, we call that your your tax incentive bill that you're going to get back for holding precious metals. Over time, it beats inflation. 
great place to store wealth. It's what I do with my portfolio. I know everyone else on this panel does the same thing. And so we sleep well at night knowing that we're hedged. India's hedging, China's hedging, Russia's hedging, and and the, the rest, as Paul mentioned at the top of the show, are using smoke and mirrors to hedge. Well, listen, not only is India and China accumulating stores of value in the form of gold, but you'll be happy to know that in August alone, India picked up more than 270 million U.S. dollars worth of silver, which is over 100% more on a month-to-month basis than they did a year ago in 2016. And again, China, another huge number there. They are buying massive amounts of silver as well. According to trade data compiled by Commerce Bank, in May alone of this year, China imported 407 tons of silver. This was, all, this was almost twice as much as in May of 2016 and is the highest amount that they've imported on a monthly basis since December of 2010. Countries don't do this for no reason at all. We're led to believe that, in fact, these are huge, huge piles of economic complexity that, with the smallest little bit of data, might just topple. Why are countries padding their foreign reserves in with gold and silver? Do they see something we don't? I mean, listen, last time I checked, we're still following the banks, correct? But if you want to get into this market, you've liked what you've heard today, and you would enjoy owning some gold and silver, you'd like to buy some gold and silver, remember, you can do it by simply going to our website. It's guildhallwealth.com. You can log in and shop from the comfort of home on our e-store. Simply pick up some gold or silver, have an expert right there at your disposal, ask him about the product you're buying, what's the difference between a bar and a coin, should I be buying some of both, we'll give you some feedback on that, happy to do it. If you'd like to store that product with us, remember, we offer the depository accounts, you can come and view your product whenever you like, add and subtract to it, and buying can be done by the telephone, which adds a huge level of liquidity to that overall investment. We talked earlier in the show, we don't have much time left, gentlemen, but allocated financing, a fantastic way to use other people's money to risk in these markets as you grow your wealth. And of course, we always love the registered accounts. If you're thinking about owning an RSP right now, or you currently do have an RSP and you'd like to take a portion of it and add some gold and silver to it, we'll help show you how to migrate that over to us at Guildhall put some gold and silver into your portfolio and we'll give you a nice thank you gift of a gram for every thousand just, every five thousand US you spend. And just to you know to conclude on this, gold year to date is up twelve percent, silver's up six percent. We think silver's got a bigger move up to catch up to gold. A six percent move will do it uh, which will be a terrific investment, especially if you're using the finance portion. One eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com is the website. We appreciate you listening, folks, this week, and you have been tuned in to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Talk Radio AM 640.